0: back to the Renaissance and Our Times podcast. Hope you're having a great day. My name is Richard. I will be your host today. And first of all, a belated happy Thanksgiving to all our friends and everybody over in America. Hope it was a nice celebration. And today we're going to talk about, uh, especially a recent video uh, this week from uh, Jonathan Peugeot and John Verveke, where they talk about uh, angels in scientific terms, but in a deeper sense, they talk about the reality of immaterial existence or the existence of immaterial reality so it's very interesting because they, in some sense they go straight to to one of the deepest points that are most foundational for your own thinking your own apprehension of the world and also in some sense in a wider sense sense like a culture or civilization how you view this topic so we're just going to split it up into two parts first this argument, because one part is, if you will uh, think, accept, concede, uh, consider I- the immaterial reality to exist in itself, and then so that's the first part. The second part is like, what is the nature of this reality? So the first part is uh, a very old debate. This was kind of at the at the crux of one of the two main topics in the scholastic tradition. We're now back to the 11-1200s in Italy and in France. And the the debate is then whether a conceptual world has an existence in itself or if it's just a feature of objects. You can also think then back to numbers. Like, does a, a number like five exist without having five apples or five atoms? Does it exist in itself as a concept? And if it does, then... You have already uh, accepted or conceded or thought of a conceptual reality as as real and existing in itself, and other like the other part of that argument or those against that would say it's purely a, a tool in your brain or in our thinking to apprehend the world. It doesn't have an existence outside of our thinking, and this is then that becomes kind of the nominalism, the nominalist school with William of Ockham. So that it's incredibly consequential because if you think in that terms, you are cutting away everything that's not material. And there are cert- several <laughs> problematic um, aspects of that, both in terms of what kind of thinking and culture that grows out of it, but also that it, in many ways, seems to overlook some, uh, some convincing arguments. So we're spending a lot of time on the first part of this two-part uh, idea here now, but, but it's still, uh, there are many ways of thinking about this, but you can think of numbers, you can think of math in itself. Does math exist without the atoms? Uh, does it exist in, in its own realm? Uh, even like Aristotle conceded that this is a very problematic area for him because he would think of math as existing. Uh, Then you can go on to physical laws. you can go to forces like gravity, magnetism, uh, also things like energy, does it exist uh, in itself without being manifested? So most people would to some extent think that these things exist, uh, and then you quickly kind of go into some kind of theological uh, area, because then you would think like, well, how long, like then these things are beyond time and space. Like how long have the numbers existed? Where are they? And then you have already moved mentally into a realm beyond time and space. So that is the first part. And it seems like back to the video that both Verveke and obviously Peugeot are very much uh, in agreement on on that step. The second step is the one that has created like enormous amounts of debates and disagreements over over the millennia because then you get to what is the nature of this immaterial realm and it in some ways it goes straight down to the difference between the Greek and the Hebrew traditions because for the Greeks they go down to like the deepest of the deep is the logos this intelligibility like this the idea or concept that the world existence is understandable, that we could understand it and we can engage in the process of understanding, which is kind of the, 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 the idea of the logos. But that is kind of an intellectual idea. And then the, the biblical stories and the Hebrew, then they make this, the logos as a living thing. So they infuse that with, with something living and divinity. And that's kind of the whole uh, in some sense that's kind of how the Greek and the Hebrew in the beginning at least have two different sources almost and then how they come together is very much the story of of uh, European history the last two thousand years. And you can really then go back to the early earliest Greek church founders and also some of the of the the Hebrew philosophers who tried to take some of the Hellenistic Greek philosophy into their into their world and cosmology, and then also the the Greeks, the Greek philosophers, trying to take the biblical stories into, into their world. Uh, so again, like Origin or like uh, St. Gregory of Nyssa are kind of two really big names there. So that's just a little bit about this, uh, this whole big topic about immaterial uh, existence and reality. And... Uh, if one is to try to have an objective view on it, it would, might be something like that. Um, you could you could concede that math exists and then it could remain a mystery whether this is something living or not. Because if you start talking about forces, if you talk about the force of knowledge, the force of love, for example, then it's more problematic to, to really be sure if this is just... Uh, like a pattern, like a neutral pattern, or if this is actually something that is living, and in some sense, if not breathing, it's a, it's it's something active, and then it becomes almost a definition of what is to, what is living again. So, anyways, that was just like some main thoughts about that discussion, but it's a very important one and it's a very interesting one. And if we take a few steps back now and and look at this big debate from eight nine hundred years again you will see how this led to modernism and materialism and scientism as well to, to go with the thinking of Occam. And um, this was then also specifically pointed to in what we're going to talk about as a second brief topic here, the video of the new <laughs> the new Four Horsemen, the Horsemen of Meaning, uh, with Bishop Aaron, John Verveke, Jonathan Peugeot and Jordan Peterson, which also came out this week. And Bishop Aaron specifically points to Occam in this video. Uh, what We we will talk more about this video later, but I just want to say one overall thing. It's a very interesting uh, dynamic or mechanism or organic th- change and blending that is happening here with the old and the new. This is also, in a bigger sense, interesting in terms of just American thought uh, after about just like two centuries that you see... Kind of the, the very cutting-edge uh, new s- psychology, cognitive science, starting to blend with the two really old traditions in Europe, with uh, Catholic thought theology and Orthodox theology. And you see how then they are trying to kind of meet and blend and reformulate old things, but also then in the current times and with new knowledge. And it's a very nice thing to see because this is a often like a natural cycle uh, especially in older cultures, it's very established. In, for example, the Jewish or the Chinese civilization, uh, they both have over fifty centuries of experience and and knowledge, and just lived through so many of these this recurring uh, this dynamic that you have to, because the world is changing all the time, so you have to take some of the new and some of the old and blend it together. It's also very common that some people only want to look at the new, or some people only want to look at the old. But what works over time is to to step back, look at it again, and create something that that uh, reformulates uh, the the treasures of the past into a a current contemporary situation. So um, that was a very encouraging kind of new development to to watch that video. And finally, we're going to keep this about 10 minutes. Uh, we A little plug we for our other podcast, uh, Dante's Divine Comedy. We had a great conversation yesterday with Dr. Phil Carey. He's a professor at Eastern University uh, in Pennsylvania. And uh, he's a, a Dante expert as well. So we had a, a long talk about Paradiso, the cosmology of Dante, the structure of the cosmology, and the 24 wise people in the sun, the fourth sphere of Paradiso, which is full of people from exactly this time with the scholasticism and these debates about about the, the material and the spiritual world and then the, the reality of immaterial existence. So um, we're going to put that in the description. And we're going to round it off here. hope some of these uh, thoughts were interesting, some, some food for thought, some inputs on a Sunday morning. And um, uh, as always, thank you so much for listening and see you again in another episode.